Hello and welcome to the Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast, and we're covering for fuck's sake. Good job, me and Schwinn are a lot more prepared than you, because if we came on and went, oh yeah, we didn't watch the game either, we was on the piss, it'd be a pretty shit podcast. Well, Macedonia is the best number at 10 in the Premier League. Yeah, that all looks good on paper, but there's never been a football match played on paper, so it's not really worth much. I'm going to make a bold prediction that Jack Wilshere will sign for West Ham United. It's time to start watching football with your eyes. I think people listen to what the commentator's saying and have that as their own opinion. But if you watch what's going on, you'll see things a lot clearer. Schwinn, who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot? I think Alexis Sanchez might do a number on that this year. <laughs> yeah, okay. Tony talks about a clock being right twice a day. Tez is right every day. Right from five, lads. Fucking beauty! Hello and welcome to the Clock End Talk. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You'll follow us at Clock End underscore talk on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and YouTube each and every week. We're joined by the two same clowns, Tony and Schwinn. And yes, Schwinn is with us again today, but we'll go to Tony first. How are we, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. What's it, two or three in a row from Schwinn now? He's just showing off. It's just uncalled for. <laughs> I think it might. It's something, something to do with him in London, isn't it? touring around like he's king of the fucking pies over there. I see you fucking posting <laughs> shit. <laughs> anyway, how are we, Schwinn? <laughs> I'm doing very well. I, in fact, went back to Pieberry Corner this morning to grab a pie, but guess what? They're closed on Mondays. Yeah. So, not the king of pies today. Not the king of pies today. <laughs> okay, boys, um, look, we have an absolute shitload of questions to get through here today, so um, we thank you, everybody, for your questions. So, we're going to get through all them. Uh, just quickly, though, we're going to Go through this Manchester United match, Tony. Uh, you seen the lineup come out, mate? Thoughts? Yeah, I was with our friend on the podcast here when they came out, and we was we was both shocked. Uh, very attacking lineup. I, I got a message from a friend saying, uh, "Who has who's uh, abducted Unai Emery and picked the team in his place?" Uh, big surprise. I, I won't say I was disappointed, but I was very shocked. It's not a lineup I thought he would go with. Um, we was a bit. We didn't know how we were going to line up because I didn't think he would trust a Jacker uh, Ramsey too in centre midfield, but obviously he did. Um, and yeah, we know how it worked out. So brave, brave, brave choice. And when when brave works, it's genius. When it works, when it doesn't work, you, you, it's stupidity. Mm. So the, yesterday it was genius. Yep, yep. Uh, Schwen, you were obviously yeah, with Tony, so you thought it was pretty good too, mate. Yeah, I mean, we were standing right outside the Emirates and I saw this tweet pop up with the lineup and I'm reading out names one by one to Tony and as I'm going down the list and Ramsey and Mesut Ozil and Aubameyang and Lacazette and I see Tony's face just change. You know, I've never seen him with that sort of expression because I think it just is a testament to how unexpected it was. We've barely seen Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil and Ramsey start, start a game together and against United at home. No better time to do it, I suppose, keeping in mind the result that we secured yesterday. Yeah, I was, at that time, I was still floating around. I'd seen the lineup come in, and I, I tweeted and said, wow, this is the lineup we're probably a lot of Arsenal fans have been asking for. Um, T- 
Tony, the only one, I suppose, if Torreira was in, he probably would go for Ramsey, I'd imagine. That was probably the only one people were saying was, yeah, but we need Torreira there, but I'd imagine who for Ramsey, so... Well, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of what Unai Emery tends to do with, with two holding midfielders, you'd imagine a fit Torreira plays in Ramsey's place, but then that completely changes the way the team plays. Changes um, everything, really. We know, yeah, yeah, we know Ramsey's strengths and we know his weaknesses. Um, so it would it would have made, you could say, it's the same formation. Only one player makes a huge difference. Um, it's also possible that uh, Ramsey would have played higher and Mesut is the one who would have missed out. I think that's probably more likely, yeah, to be Probably honest. would have happened, yeah, yeah. Okay, boys, we'll break this game up into four 20-minute um, little quarters, I suppose. Tony, you take one. If they're, if they're doing four 20 minutes, what are we doing with the rest of the game? Just forgetting it happened. Yeah, we'll just forget it happened. <laughs> 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 um, we won't worry about the five minutes at the end. Oh, yeah, we have to. Um, anyway, so, okay, Tony... Take us through the... And whoever's fucking playing around with their microphone over there, can you shut the fuck up, you queer cunt? <laughs> I don't have a microphone, so you know it ain't me. Oh, I must be fucking Schwinn. Yeah, gotta be, right? Blame the <laughs> foreigner. <laughs> um, Tony, uh, give us the first 25 minutes. Uh, did we score in the first 25 minutes? think we did, don't oh, we? Okay, well, let's, let's get... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 12th minute. Look, Granite Jacker scores. Um, and they say you're assisted by Lacazette, but let's face it, the bloke was that fucking good. Like, did he need an assist? Well, I mean, look, this is... Again, I'm not taking anything away from Lacazette because he had a very good game, but this is where assist stats are sometimes meaningless. You can play a one-yard pass, someone scores from... 35 yards out or goes and beats eight players and scores and they go oh you got another assist mm. um, and then other assists uh, you make a pass that splits the defence and and it makes a huge difference um, but the, the, it was a weird strike from Jacker because he struck across it and it moved a lot mm. um, oh, yeah, some, me and Shrimp, huh? yeah he had some curl on that ball and it was going back the other way which you know, well, that's the thing. I it wasn't told because it went the wrong way. I was, me and Shrim were trying to talk about it, and I don't know enough about cricket, but it was like a cricket delivery where the ball's going one way and then straightens up and literally like goes back on itself. Mm. Um, I've seen it happen a few times before. I, was, I remember Gareth, Gareth Bale scored one against Liverpool for Tottenham, and, and the ball just moved all over the place. And everyone here is massively criticising De Gea over it. I'm not really sure it was a mistake. I think it's just one of them things. I think it's a hard one to, to. It's a hard one to keep out for me because the way that ball was moving, it wasn't like a lot of people. I seen what a lot of people were saying the same. Like it wasn't a straight ball, so it was. It was. It'd be hard for any goalkeeper. I think. Um, yeah, fucking brilliant though. That bloke is like God. Unbelievable. No, I mean, they, they should have been they should have been one nil up by the time we scored. Though, I mean, how Lukaku missed that chance to hit the bar? Yeah, yeah, you, that was like you have to, that, to be honest. That was like um, okay. Well, that's about it for you, <laughs> Schwinn. So we'll go to you, mate. From half from there on to half time, I've I've got a couple of things. Uh, Socrates uh, yellow card, and then obviously in the half time. 
I think the game itself, uh, I mean, if I want to just talk about the half in general, because we've spoken about two things here, the goal and the, and the booking. I don't remember the booking, to be honest. Uh, but I think the half in general, we were very good from the beginning. We were finding our feet. We were able to control the ball, pass the ball around. There were a few uh, good plays we strung together. Um, the one that completely jumps to mind is when I think we got away from our box and uh, I think the ball ended up with Maitland Niles on the right and he tried to find Ramsey, but the ball, I think, just had a bit too much on it and Ramsey couldn't keep it uh, on frame. I think that that basically summed up how good we were in the first half. This is not to say that we were good defensively as well. I think there were a lot of moments that uh, that propped up the Lukaku chance, of course, that we just spoke about. Fred hit the post, although I don't think that's the greatest attempt. Hitting the post, I think, makes it a bit more of a talking point. Uh, but it seemed like when United were in our half, which was uh, not too many times, but when they were, it seemed like spaces were opening up for them. And uh, I was nervous. Despite us being good going forward, uh, I, I feared for our goal. I feared for our back line. Uh, in particular, Maitland-Niles in the first half was a bit shaky. But I think we we were very good in terms of a system being, in being organized and communicating. I was seated in the lower tier yesterday and I saw a lot of communication because United were attacking towards the North Bank where I was seated. So I saw a lot of raised arms, a lot of pointing. And it seemed like there was a clear plan and it seemed that everyone was on, uh, on board with the plan. So as a spectator, uh, I really enjoyed that. I've got a memory like an, like a goldfish, so I, I really can't remember. But I do remember Lacazette missed the chance. Was that the first half or second half? I don't remember that. You boys don't really. Oh, remember it was that. in the very he first missed, minute, I think. Oh. Even, I think was it in the very first minute when um, Kolasinac flashed the ball across the box. Yeah, what was in with the first five minutes? Yeah, first couple. Yeah, yeah yes, and that's that's look. Do you reckon he would have got you know any? Uh, what's that the one? Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Yeah, okay. So well, for me, I think he probably yeah, and you know this this is what happens with Lacazette, and I know there's a couple of questions on it later with Lacazette, so I won't go into too much detail, Tony. But this is my. My little bit of gripe with Lacazette is he does miss these chances, and every week we seem to talk about that one or two chances he does miss. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know we're, we're going to go into it later, but it's. I, I think the thing is with him, he, he he he's not in them positions enough, so he only gets one or two of them chances a game. So when he does miss them, they stand out. So you can you've got all all these work he does elsewhere, and again, I thought he had a good game. saying to be honest, the Kalasnatch one, I don't think he. He didn't get a touch on it, and I think it's a bit harsh to call it a miss. I think the the one after the goal, he, he could have done better. Um, they're the only two I remember. But as I said, I, I thought he had a good game, and I, I still think he has to play with someone else. But when he does, I have no complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony, obviously, you know, Man United, they came out pretty strong in that uh, first bit of the second half. Um, going down one, you know, by stage one nil. Um, I was very worried, but then we get up a penalty in the 69th minute, where Abemiang puts it away. And look, a hats off to Abemiang. He, you know, after the miss last week, um, bit of debate going around Man United fans and and whatnot. Penalty for you? Uh, 
very, very soft. Um, yes, yeah, penalty, but I'd be fuming if it was given against us, which is probably is the fairest. I always think the fairest way to look at penalties is what would you think if it was the other way around? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It was soft, um, but it's... Yeah. After the week I've had in football with fucking VAR, I was quite happy to see it, to be honest. But I understand from Man United fans' point of view why I'd be angry too. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, a ridiculous decision. Like, you get some and you just think, never in a million years. That that one, I think you just go, it's on the soft side. But again, we come back to John Moss being absolutely nowhere near it, which he never is. He's never near anything. It's just... He, I, I feel I'm glad we won for obviously many reasons, but it's good to still be moaning about the ref when we win because no one can call me bitter. I moan about him every time we have him. He's just an absolute joke of a ref. Mm-hmm. Painful. The first 20 minutes of the second half, he was just blowing up at every opportunity. It was the scrappiest 20 minutes of football. And I still maintain, and I've said this on here before, it's because he's not fit enough and he can't be asked to run. There's one counter-attack. Uh, at the end of the first half, where I'm surprised I haven't mentioned this, Granite made a tackle on Rashford, which was goal-saving. There's no two ways about it. Granite doesn't make it. Rashford scores. Then the ball broke out in another 50-50, which Kolasinac won, played it forward, and we was on the break, four on four. And then the ref has blown up for the original foul on Xhaka, which was five seconds previously, because he can't run the length of the pitch when we're on a break. So he gives a foul that it was, and that's it. He doesn't have to run. He literally rests the game on how he can run least or how he can get the most amount of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, Schwinn then going to the last last bit of the, the game, obviously, there was a couple of subs. Uh, Ozil for Wobi, um, Dennis Suarez came off for Bamiyang, uh, Eddie came on for Lacazette. Um, might take us through that last probably 15, 20 minutes. Good subs, I would say. Uh, having got all of his subs wrong, arguably, this past week against Ren, um, I thought Emery got all these correct. Um, I imagine Ozil was taken up to, to be rested a bit for Ren this upcoming week. Um, as for Dennis Suarez, I think this is the first time I've been a bit impressed by him. Uh, he wasn't shying away from the, the physical part of the game. Uh, he looked tidy in possession. Uh, was always available for for his teammates and uh, he took up a wide position but was coming in uh, uh, quite a bit and and looked looked neat uh, i enjoyed watch, watching him yesterday was it him who um, put one in light in the in the box there Wobie. for a wobie was it okay i was just trying to think who it was for Mm. Yeah, okay, I, sorry, I, I don't remember that. But no, no. Yeah, and it would, it would be squared it, and and Suarez and Jackal were both there, and they would have had a tap in. But I think it was Fred just got a touch on it, and it went out for a throw on. Mm. Mm. But yeah, in general, I thought Emery uh, had one of his better days. You know, I, I, of course, Craig does our ratings for the clock end talk, uh, and uh, he gave Emery a nine. I don't remember Emery being given a nine in recent memory, so that was that I thought was well deserved. And uh, with an eye on Ren, you know, if the game is in the balance, then maybe you don't want the manager to be looking that far forward. But the game was very much in our control. And I say that knowing that United were you know, looking to threaten. They brought on Martial, who obviously uh, I thought was going to give Maitland-Niles uh, a, a tough time. But me and Tony spoke about this yesterday. 
the Maitland Niles had a very, very good second half in possession, out of possession, going forward, tracking back, and uh, sort of nullified Martial. Pogba looked to threaten, but again, you know, when it came to crunch time, I thought we, we just did enough to get away, and in certain moments, we were very good, actually. So all in all, the game was a very complete performance from against a team that has sort of been on a very, very good roll. You know, not just results against some of the bottom teams, but against Spurs, and then, of course, a miraculous result against PSG, albeit with a bit of luck. But to to sort of stifle that momentum is, isn't easy, and we did a very, very good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we'll get to some man of the matches, because like I said, we're, there's lots of questions to get through, and pretty much all the questions are going to touch all on this game, so... We'll obviously digress into this game more as we read the questions out. Um, first of all, though, we'll go man of the match. Obviously, for me, it's a no-brainer, Granite Shaka. Uh, he single-handedly beat Man United 2-0. <laughs> single-handedly. <laughs> um, Tony? Um, I think, look, we've gone through this whole thing and not mentioned Leno, who I thought was very good and made some vital saves. I mean, he wouldn't be my man of the match. I just felt it was unfair to not mention him. Um Ainsley had was the best player on the pitch in the second half by a mile, but I thought the first half he was a bit shaky. So over the whole match, I agree with you. I'd go Xhaka. Um But yeah, I just thought there's a couple of players we hadn't mentioned who were who were worthy of being mentioned. Yep, no fair call um, and good shout on uh, Leno. That's uh, that. Um, no, it wasn't really a save. You know, Lukaku he was coming up and he he took the gamble and uh, went one on one with him. Coming out of the box, and uh, I thought it was. Uh, I, I like to see that from my goalkeeper. I know a lot don't. They think, oh, they'd rather him, you know, stop back a bit. I don't know if you remember it or not, Tony, but uh, I'd like to see things like that. So, yeah, the ball over the top it came out. Yeah. I was just about to say that that was a fantastic ball, one of the better balls of the full of the of the game in general that Leno played under under pressure. Actually, I think that was the one. When it did was that late in the game? Yeah, I think it was Suarez, wasn't it? That was the Suarez, Suarez, and then went up, and then that's when he went into the into the center, I think. Yeah, one when Ramsey too. Oh, you're you're talking about right? That was at Rashford's feet. The one from the long ball where he came out and played the pass was at one nil. It was early in the first half. He played the pass to Ramsey. Mm, Okay, on the right. Like I said, I've got a memory like a goldfish. I could watch, I could have watched it ten minutes ago, and I'd already fucking forget. <laughs> um, Schwinn, your man of the match. Look, uh, Granite, of course, was uh, someone who stood out yesterday. Following suit, I will say that Ramsey, I thought, had a very, very good game. You know, statistically, he covered the most run of distance, which you expect from him. But he also had the most number of tackled um, from both teams. So I, I think. Uh, you know, in that deeper role, which we've not really seen him in under Emery, he could be an option. You know, Torreira is obviously going to be missing out for a couple of games. And uh, it's good to know that Emery, you know, having seen this, might deploy him in, in certain situations deeper and maybe give Mkhitaryan and Mezzadozil will be a bit more room in that sense. So, you know, gutted that he's going to be leaving. Can't say this enough that you're losing one or three, but just to see him come out there put his 100% and in that fashion it's just fantastic and as Schwinn just mentioned earlier you can have a look at um, uh, who's his name Craig <laughs> sorry Craig uh, you can check out his ratings at clockend.blogspot.com 
Uh, you can also find the website on our Twitter account. Each and every week, though, we do talk about who scored, Tony. Um, they have given man of the match to Granite 8.1. Yeah, and then they had, I checked this morning, and Ainsley second. Um, 7.5, yep. I think, I don't know, I, I think me and you had different ratings. Oh, okay. I, I've got it up here in front of me now, so I'm only... Well, unless they've changed it, I looked this morning, or maybe it was late last night, Yeah. and Granite was 0.2 and, and Maitland-Niles was 7.7, and they were quite a way clearer. I think the next best was 7.2. Well, they've got uh, 8.1 Granite, 7.5 Maitland-Niles, Leno 7.4. Uh, Bamiang Lacquer at 7, Monreal at 7, Socrates at 7.3. The worst yeah, was, uh, the worst okay, was Kozinach, 6.4. Sorry? What's the hair got on what you're looking at? Who? The hair. The hair, 4.6. Yeah, surprised me. Yeah, is that what he had with you? It was 4 point something, I just remember thinking I've never seen one that low. It is low, actually. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so as I said, we'll pump through these questions because we've got a few of them. So I'll go to the Skype one first because I will miss it. So uh, we're going to do a round the table thing, Schwinn. Are Question we? H, or what are we doing? You like doing that, or uh, do you want to do your own way just read them out and pump through them? Pump through them. I think today we're all a bit strapped for time, aren't we? So let's get through them and not try and miss anyone. Okay. No worries, guys. Well, thank you for your questions, and uh, that was a really there great are, little There segment. are certain questions that are directly addressed to you today, Taz, so oh, by okay. all means, fire away. Right. Okay, so Maddie says, I love the fact that we shut shut the mouth of Man United fans and enjoying it, but you consider generally in such victories we tend to ignore or overlook our mistakes or bad areas, which are things you think thought didn't go well or could have been better Tony um one thing that I was moaning about for a lot of the first half to anyone that would listen to me that was sitting near me is we pretty much that that game was Jacob v Pogba one-on-one and whoever won that battle was going to win the game Xhaka had a really good game but I wouldn't take my chances on that every week um so it's something that worked yesterday and it's not a criticism but I'd imagine if you'd done that 10 times United would well Pogba would win that battle seven of them mm. and and that is an issue and also as well I think a lot of the time because they we, they outnumbered us in the middle um, we left Fred as the spare man who isn't the most dangerous player and, and maybe we'd done it because it was Fred but I'd imagine if they didn't have their their injuries and it was someone like a Lingard or even a Herrera it could have been very different. But maybe that we just played the team that was playing on the day. So you can say that that is maybe a ta- bit of tactical genius. But on another day, it might not have worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwinn, Maddie says, do you still think we will not be in the top four? Look, you know, after such a result, it's easy to reconsider your position. Mm, but for me, we're not good enough. You know, we just lost Ren. We haven't spoken about that. And of course, we'll touch on it at the very end. But having lost Ren, despite being a man down, I think this team can be very hot or cold at the flip of a coin. And I know we have an easy, easier run in towards the end of the season, but we have some tricky fixtures in there. You know, we have Wolves, Leicester, Burnley at the end of the season. 
So th- there are some games in there which can be a bit tricky. Uh, I still don't think we're good enough to, to finish in the top four. I don't think we're good enough to win the Europa League either. So from my perspective, I don't think we'll, we'll get it. Just to throw a bit of balance on that, Matty, I disagree with everything Schwinn said there. <laughs> I, I agree with we are up and down, though, however, Schwinn. But I think we're one point behind Tottenham now and two points in front of um, Chelsea, Man U. Might even be a bit more than Chelsea. I think it's free, but they've got a game in hand. We're level if they if they win their game in hand. Yeah, so look, I think I think we would have got a lot of confidence out of that game yesterday, and I'd like to think the boys will, you know, head down, ass up, and and get right into it now. Uh, what have we got? Eight games to go. Yep. Yep. So I think you know, eight games to go. It's it's. We'll put it this way: it's ours to lose it more than it was to win it. Now, isn't it? Top four. Like we're, in the, we're in the driving seat. I'd imagine. Yeah. I've not looked at the odds. I'd imagine, bookies wise, we're we're fav- not we're favourites to finish in the top four. Yeah, like the way our, Yeah, that's what I mean. And I think our fate's in our own hands at least. Like we, there'd be a couple of results that we will be thinking, oh shit, you know, um, Tottenham. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we'll be. I think we'll be okay. But, I mean, if you look at it, just to, to break it down a bit, Tottenham have got to go to the Etihad and Anfield. Um, United are, have got to play City and Chelsea. Chelsea have got to play Liverpool and United. So there's going to be, I mean, between Chelsea and United, obviously it's guaranteed one of them has to drop points because they're playing each other. Mm. And you'd imagine with City and Liverpool, they're going to win some of them games, or if not all of them, because they're in a title race themselves. So there's them teams will drop points, and it's up to us to to try and capitalise. I think we've only got three home games left, which is not ideal. Um, because then we've got Everton away, Watford away, Leicester away, Burnley away, and Wolves away. And you could drop points in all of them games. They're, they're, I think all of them teams have taken points off the top teams so far this season. Mm. Um, so they're not game, they're not gimme games. Any of them. I mean, Leicester beat City, Burnley beat Tottenham, um, Wolves beat fucking everyone, pretty much. Um, so they're, they're, even though the other teams have got the more standout teams like they're playing each other or they're playing Liverpool they're playing City we still do have some hard games and I wouldn't look at our fixture list as easy to be honest no no I agree with you and, but I'd rather be in this position than chasing wouldn't you um, I'd rather be but, where we are than where Chelsea is at the moment yeah, yeah, I would, but I don't know if you can consider them chasing because they win their game at hand, they're level on points. But just because of it, I would rather have our fixtures than Chelsea's. Mm. Our fixtures are much better, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, third question Can you share your views on Ramsey? I thought he partnered well with uh, Granite superbly, and Torreira was not missed. Um, Tony? Yeah, I mean, on the day, there's no argument. Uh, as I said, my worry would be if Fred was a better player or a more attacking player, what would have happened? Um, but he isn't and, and wasn't. So if, you know what I mean, if my auntie had the bollocks, she'd be my uncle. Um, so, yeah, didn't miss Trevor at all. <laughs> Fucking you and your, you and your uncle. <laughs> um, my aunt. Uh, uh, aunt. <laughs> I'm just going, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But, uh, look, Matty, don't worry about it, mate. We've got Granite there and he's God, so just, just let it go, mate. 
Okay, um, Duck Farm, Duck Farm, where are you, buddy? I did see a question for you. Um, DMs, yep. Duck Farm, the team is playing better off late. Um, Is it due to improved tactics or finally just playing more of Ozil and Ramsey, playing the better players and playing better? Seems simple. How many more points could we have if he had been doing this all along, Schwinn? Very, very tough to answer that hypothetical. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to down, go down that path. But, you know, I don't want to take credit away from memory today uh, based on yesterday's game because I thought he he picked up a good lineup and made some good subs. But surprise, surprise, you pick your best players, try and find them in their best positions, and voila, you get a good result. This shouldn't be a newfound recipe for success. You know, if if we had to pick a team at the beginning of the season with the people we had, I bet it wouldn't look very different than that. You know, of course, we'd probably go for a back four. Hector Bellerin would be involved. But assuming he wasn't available, we'd probably go for a back five. So I think, largely speaking, the attack in particular would remain the same. And, you know, that's what Emery did yesterday. Of course, it's taken him some time, some injuries to get to that point. But, you know, there's no point really talking about what could have been. It's, I think, a bit more useful to look forward and see what what we can make of the, the rest of the season because Champions League as we've spoken about several times, is extremely important. So let's just hope we can somehow secure that. Okay. Um, David says, Whispers, do you think there might still be a St. Tottenham's Day? Shh. (laughs) Um, I'll just pump through these. Some of them are thoughts. Some of them are questions, Tony. So, uh, Lee Kirky says, So I'm the guy who asked whether you guys fancy paying towards my season ticket as my daughter has never seen us lose at home. Do you remember, Tony? I remember uh, this question came in last night and, and Schwinn asked me if I remember because I'm pretty sure that Schwinn offered to donate. I mean, he offered to donate or we volunteered him to donate. Okay. Either way. Well, he says, um, uh, Well, she went to the Southampton game and today. Uh, Today, I'll wait for Schwinn to ask for my bank details. <laughs> I think uh, I actually wrote to Jack today, uh, our fl- friend, the plug, that... Um, hang I've on, hang on. We'll up, we'll up. Is old matey getting some money off you or what? Well, just hear me out here for a second. Oh, here we, here we go. This would be to, fucking good. <laughs> I asked Jack to finance the rest of my trip, uh, and I'll stay on, considering I've been here for four games and we've won 10 points. So if Jack comes through, then I'll come through for our pal here and get his and his daughter a season ticket. How about that? Also, Schwinn owes me a beer, so he has to hang around longer anyway. Fuck Wait, what? I owe you a beer now? This bloke, well, this bloke will be leaving, that, leaving London now and debts everywhere. We started together under Emery, Schwinn. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. <laughs> Coincidence, <Jesus>. eh? <laughs> this bloke will leave London now and more fucking debts than he ever turned up. <laughs> so you're not going to pay for old mate's tickety? Nope, nope. Move on, Fuck move you're on. A miserable, are you? You're a miserable cunt. <laughs> you really are a miserable cunt. He promised his fucking daughter... That you're no, gonna you pay, volunteered for me. You, Here, I'm going to volunteer is, you guys this is to pay for his ticket Nah, this is now. fucking bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> we need a fucking mute button for this clown. Fair dinkum. What a joke this is. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> Peter says, uh, who do we actually replace Ramsey with in the summer? His loss is going to be epic. Uh, I think we've already got the replacement in Dennis Suarez, but... 
not saying that he's a like-for-like replacement, Schwinn, but I think that's the type of the path we're heading towards. I certainly hope not. Uh, this is nothing against Dennis. This is more a testament to how incredibly underrated um, Ramsey is. You know, some of the it's it's one of those things that you you sense his absence more. Like you you value him more when he's not on the pitch, and then when he comes back from injury or has been sidelined for X Y Z reason, you realize how important he can be and. You know, we've often said he's a continental type of player and, and walk into many of the top teams in Europe. And that's the situation we face ourselves with now. I think to replace him is going to be a monumental task. And, you know, considering our financial resources, I think we'll, you know, we'll really struggle to find someone like him, uh, someone who can replace him rather. So uh, I have no names that come to mind. And uh, I think it would be a safe bet to say that Arsenal doesn't either. Just, just quickly, though, and Tony, you can uh, butt in here as well. I don't know if... I thought the whole idea was we didn't want a player like Ramsey because he doesn't fit Emery's mould, or was it to do with wages? I think it's the latter, um, because if a manager doesn't want a player like Ramsey in their squad, maybe not in their starting 11, but in their squad, there's something wrong with that manager. And uh, I think it was more to do with uh, his demand, our current situation... And uh, having just given Mesodos an exorbitant contract, I think we wanted to secure our funds for, fu- for the future, knowing that uh, we don't know whether we'll get Champions League or not. So the rebuild, d- depending on securing Champions League or not, changes drastically. And to commit that sort of money towards Ramsey, despite his quality, I think would, would have put us in a precarious situation. So I think it's a few factors that culminated to that decision. Okay. You grow that time? Um. I'm not sure because Emery did leave him out a hell of a lot and if it's only a money thing you play him while you've got him and, and then obviously don't play him when you haven't got him anymore so I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure I don't think Emery's ever seen him is in part of a two like he did yesterday I don't think he not he hasn't seen him and he's never seen him do it I mean I don't think he's factored him into his plans in that position mm. and and then I, I don't think he's creative enough as a 10 so for me I, I don't I, just don't really think Emery wanted that type of player. He's good for certain situations. Um, he's probably more of a big game player. Like uh, maybe, I mean, he's better than him, but like Park G. Sung was at United. But are we in a financial position to be able to have a, a big game player? Probably not. Um, and to, I mean, for me, you simply don't replace Aaron Ramsey. There's not too many people that play like he do, like he does, sorry. Um I wouldn't be surprised if Smith Rowe is is the replacement. Mm, okay. I'm happy with that if he performs. But where did he go on loan to? Uh, Red Bull. Uh, show him where did he go. I'm not sure. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in Germany, where they drink a lot of Red Bull, apparently. Oh, I've got no idea what you're even talking about. Who is Leipzig. Uh, I did that. <laughs> I was trying to get Schwinn to say it. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Clay Conservity says, what the fuck was De Gea doing? Not trying to steal anything from Granite, but you exactly are doing exactly that, Clay, and you can go fuck yourself. Uh, but good Lord, that was atrocious from De Gea. Really? Really? You say yeah, I'm that surprised now. By, I'm surprised by all this uh, talk too. I mean... 
if you look at how early De Gea moved in towards his left, anticipating that the ball is going in that direction because the shot came from a, a while out, you, you would imagine that that's where the ball was headed. And it suddenly changed direction. I think De Gea shouldn't be held accountable here. I think it's just the ferocity and the unpredictability of the strike. I think it was just beautiful to watch. Uh, Go to Gurner at the beginning and through the season we have criticised our defence etc. What changes do we have to make for next year if we are to stay in the top four to compete uh, with Man City Liverpool? Gurner Tez must be going nuts with Granite's performance. Uh, I say this every week mate he's, he's a fucking good player simple as that buddy um, but he was outstanding yesterday. Tony, uh, criticising our defence, what changes do we need to make for next year? It's difficult because it feels like he, they need to be coached better. And that's not trying to have a dig at Emery, but we've tried multiple formations with multiple personalities, um, multiple roles, back three, back four, back five, two defensive midfielders, one defensive midfielder, three defensive midfielders. And, None of it's worked. So there's not. I can't just magically say a system and it's going to work. They need to be coached better in, in whatever way they're going to play. Uh, and maybe having a more solid system that they kind of know they're going to play, especially defensively, will get them in a routine that helps them. I mean, I'd, look, I don't think yesterday was a great defensive display. People are going on about it because we kept a clean sheet. And then, look, let's see, it wasn't bad. But, I mean, Lukaku has to score when he's hit the bar. He's gone round Leno, and Leno's made a very good save. This is all within the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, he's, he had another chance in the second half where Leno made a very good save. Lukaku has to score. Uh, we'd be fuming if Aubameyang missed it. He made a save at Rashford's feet uh, when Rashford tried to go around him, and he, he got the ball. Obviously, the Fred one, they've hit the post. He, he rushed off of his line to Lukaku, where we spoke about earlier, when he played the ball. So... I don't want the clean sheet and to fool us into thinking this is a great defensive performance. Um, we were still very leaky, um, but I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And I, I, at the moment, it doesn't seem like Emery knows what the answer is. Um, for me, it has to be something on the on the training field that that we action on the match day. Hmm. Okay. I just don't think we're good enough. That's uh, just I, I don't think the players are good enough. I see what you're saying with the coaching, but I just think players like Mustafi, like, yeah, how many fucking times have we said this clown has brain farts like Mustafi? Um, uh, you know, he's cost us. Oh, there has to be some stat out there that someone could tell me. No, but it's, 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 happened with, it's happened with multiple people. Yesterday, Mustafi wasn't on the pitch and no, we still leaked chances. We still like chances. So, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We're, we're very leaky in whatever system we've played, whoever's played in terms of what person's played. We've we've been very leaky. I mean, people uh, are putting holding down as a holy grail because we was on a good run when he was playing. But we still leak chances. I mean, we're forgetting that that Tottenham. I mean, scored two against us, even though we won, and holding was on the pitch. I, mean, I think he went off at one one at United. Like we were still leaking goals. Then we were battered by by Wolves when holding was in the team. We conceded two to Palace when holding was in the team. So as much as I really do rate holding, it's not a case of holding's going to come back and we're going to be fine. Yeah, no, fair call. Um, Schwinn MWA Gunner says, can you stay in London until the end of May? I'll buy your fence no. if you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think sleeping on a fence is going to be entirely easy. I don't need a whole lot to actually to sleep on, as you boys are well aware. 
But offensive, that's going to be a tough one. So sorry, M double A. I'm going to have to pass on that. Heck on if you were sleeping on the fence, you'd have nowhere to sit. So, <laughs> so you want your sleeping let's move, on Let's the move on swiftly. <laughs> that stuck with you, hasn't it? That has stuck with you for nearly two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> for no fault of my own. <laughs> um, hack on Larson, this is why I lose my shit when we play like shit because this is what we can do. We can perform like this and it's mentality issue for me. I think very well done to the lads. Brilliant performance. However, I'm going to change it into a bit of a question. When was the last time, Schwinn, and your memory's as good as fucking mine, so I might have to ask Tony, um, have you seen that team line-up this season by Emery? This, you mean in terms of the 11 that started? Yeah. Oh, well, wow. let's, let's, let's go the attacking. Let's go the Lacazette, Abameyang, let the Urzel, Ramsey, Granite. Maitland Niles and who else was there? Kalazanach. Well, including the fullbacks, I'd have to say never. But if you just name the four players uh, up top, then because Tony reminded me yesterday, I think that'd be City. I, no. I, I mean, no, no was, it, was it sometime? No, no, no that didn't start against City. So it was, oh, there was go. our question yesterday was Ozil Ramsey, and that was with Bamiang, Mickey. And Iwobi, I think. No, Ramsey played 10. Ozil left, Mickey right, Aubameyang up top. Oh, Mickey and Ozil the other way around, sorry. That was against City. And then Lacazette came on, I think, at half time. So, had these four never started this season? Not that I can recall. I, I don't yeah. remember it happening, but like I said, my, my memory is like a goldfish. So, who, were, who was Tottenham? No, that was only a Bem- no, like a, like a no, no, the first game. No, it was yeah, it was all. Oh, fuck oh, it. There you go. No, I didn't start, and Lacker and Ramsey both come on at half time. Okay, there you go. What about Chelsea at home? Uh, I mean, Ozil didn't play. That's true. Yeah. Well, it was the, the striker played about eight it, games, didn't he? So the, the strikers both played then, like Aubameyang and Lacazette against Chelsea. Um, but the others didn't the only other game I'm not sure about is Burnley because Ozil Aubameyang and Lacazette definitely played but I think Ramsey came on I think he was on the bench Mm. he still managed to create I mean on the subject of Mesut Ozil real quick I saw this from Orbe I I knew you'd have to say something yeah go on (laughs) well yeah because I think it's still I mean look I'm not going to defend his performance yesterday I think he was good but he wasn't one of the standout players but Orbino tweeted this yesterday saying that he created four chances, uh, which was the most in the game. And he has created 34 this season, which is more than any other player. Um, and, uh, and an interesting thing, given the lack of playing time, I have questioned. Uh, I, I did write back to him and I asked him whether he meant any other Arsenal player or just across the league. I would imagine it's any other Arsenal player. But still, I think there's a definite role for him in there if he can pick his, pick his act up. And convince Emery that he's good to start week in, week out. Also, I read, I don't know how true it is because it's from a complete moron, but someone tweeted that he uh, covered the first third most ground on the pitch for the 70, whatever he was on as well. So, I mean, we know that every time you hear the lazy stuff, it's like we know every week he's always in the top three or four of, of ground covered. But again, it's just another point to reiterate. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> what Not much to say on, on top of that. Oh, my granite was the best player on the field. Like Urzel, hey, look, if you want me to say something, Urzel, and I'll use Tony's line, he did nothing right, he did nothing wrong, he was on the field, another player. I thought he was not a standout. He was just a player on the field, on the pitch or whatever. I, I, he wasn't a standout for me, but he was there doing a job that he had to do. So I've got no criticism over. Yeah, look, I don't want to get into this debate, but I will leave you guys with this, that Tony uses that saying to describe El Nenny, and you're using that saying to describe Mesut Ozil. I think there's a big difference in what each of them bring to the table. <laughs> Do you want me to say he was outstanding and uh, he was brilliant and... No, no, look, I, I don't know. Th- that's what I mentioned. I, no, that's what I, I, I mentioned. I've right? never I, seen I any standouts from him yesterday. It was no like, oh, shit, look at that. Fuck, look at that. Through. Oh, shit, he created that chance and Lacazette fucked it up. I never went like that. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he had a bad game. I'm just saying he never, I never went, fuck me, he's brilliant. Why don't we ever start him? Yeah, look, as I said, I don't think he was the standout player yesterday. Not even the top three, I would say, from our team. But to say that he was just there and just, you know, just didn't do anything right, didn't do anything wrong, I think is a bit harsh, is all I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, note to self, do not talk about Ozil. <laughs> <laughs> Why Schwinn is on the podcast, Tony. You finally learned. Took only about a year and a half. <laughs> I um, come across a brown snake when I was a kid. I kicked it once and it bit me. So I kicked it twice and it bit me again. And I thought, you fucking cunt. <laughs> so I kicked it a third time and it bit me a third time. <laughs> Moral of the story is, mate, I just keep going back. <laughs> oh, I thought um, you were just being racist and calling me a brown snake. No, 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 no. I was being serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not racist, settle down. Uh, Vish said, yeah, I'm trying to pump through questions, Schwinn. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Vish, the small cameo, uh, called Kenio, performance from David Suarez was also encouraging. There is a player of great skill locked away in there that's bursting to be set free. Looks like Arsenal's slowly making him more physical. So can we withstand uh, the ferocity of the... Uh, can, he, can, he, yeah. can he withstand the Premier League before, we un, before they unleash him? Tony, fuck me, I balls that up. Well, he's got, uh, he's got. I think we don't play another Premier League game for until the first or second of April. So he's got three weeks, three and a half weeks now. Um, he won't be on international duty, I presume. So he's got time, but I mean, he he was good in his twenty minutes or whatever it was yesterday. I still haven't seen enough of him to to say he should be playing, starting to say we should sign him permanently in the summer. Um, I think he's been a little bit unlucky in that since he's come in, Mickey's been the best he's ever been for us consistently. Mickey's always been a one game in, three game out kind of guy. But in the last month or so, I think he's been good pretty much every time he's played, um, which probably hasn't helped Suarez's cause. Um, 
I don't, I don't think there's a player that's going to be consistently playing for us in him, to be honest. I don't think there's a Premier League what, what's player the ball, in What's the boy at closing him? It's fuck all, isn't it? Uh, the 20, I think. Hmm. So it's fuck all, really. It depends what your budget is. Even for a squad it, player, that. No, but 20 is not a lot in modern football. But if you've only got 50 million, 20, that's just 40% of your budget. I can't do this. He's a kind of a player, and I don't want him to buy him. <laughs> but I just had to put another side of the coin on it for a minute. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I've always said this all along. I, I'm never a big fan of Dennis Suarez. I never saw much what he did. Look, he was great yesterday for the 20 minutes. I agree with everything you said there. But I need to see a lot more, like you. Uh, I was trying to play devil's advocate But I was like, no, I can't do this Um, Vish says Schwinn, can we applaud the performance From Leno um, Which we did do Um, Maitland-Niles, Granite and Ramsey All four were immersed tonight Glad to see Unite Managing to get his jigsaw Set up perfectly today He pretty much Not much I can Nah, nothing Yeah, not much I can add to that uh, Cosman Buddha says he feels sad to see Ramsey go now that's finally looking like he's found a role in our team. Yeah, it is it is very sad actually. But good I wish him all the best. Uh Cosman Buddha says, Do you guys feel like Lacazette has reached his ceiling or there's still potential going forward, Schwinn? I think there's still potential. I would certainly hope so. Um look he, he brings a lot of good stuff to the table. And, you know, we have obviously spoken about Lacazette and some of the things that bother us. But, you know, we come on the pod every week to talk about individual games. And based on that, yesterday he was very good, I'd say. And he has been very good recently. I don't think anyone can doubt that. If you had to pick a player from the last two, three months who has been our MVP, so to say, it'd probably be Lacazette. So when we criticize him, it's not because of anything else. It's because of what we saw on a given day. I think there's a lot that he can still offer. Uh, I I do agree with Tony 100% when he says that he is one of those players that needs a supporting attacker, whether that's someone like an Aubameyang or uh, or a Mesut Ozil and a Ramsey behind him playing in in number split number tens, whatever it might be. I think he needs support. Uh, can he somehow s- survive and and you know operate as a lone attacker? I think that would be our end goal with him in mind. Um, I'm yet to see that in terms of foresight. I, I I haven't seen much of that in him yet. But that that doesn't say that his contributions are are any less minuscule in that regard. I think he brings a lot to the, the team with this squad, and and I'm happy for his success. Could you um and and look with Lacazette, like he's not an out and out striker like a Bama Yang and and you know, Fox in the box type striker, but um, do you see him? Playing as a 10 or maybe a shadow striker? I know the term shadow striker hasn't been used in a long time, but... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's possible. Um, but then you have to have a, a lot different going on with this team. Um, look, Granite and... Tr- I, I could see that happening in a 4-4-2, but you need real wingers then who make uh, runs from deep and who are running in behind because... With, with someone like Iwobi and Mikitarian coming in from the left and right, respectively, I don't think that, that that'll be enough. 
Um, I think Ron Venturera can form uh, a central midfield partnership in a 4-4-2, given a, a better defensive setup. But I don't trust in our wings at all to to hold the fort with that that setup. Mm, okay. Um, Pierre Emerick Abemiang Golden Boot. Tony Emery's tactics were rightly poor versus Rens, um, but he out-tacked uh, Man U fans. Uh, be balanced about tactical displays and acknowledging he gets it right most of the time. Um, look, very good yesterday. Sol, very, Sol, very, yeah, go. Uh, sorry. So yeah, very very good yesterday. Very very bad on Thursday against Ren. I think we also do have to distance ourselves from we won, so it was right. Yesterday it was right, but there's been times, like Huddersfield away, he got it all wrong, but we won 2-1. Um, would I say he's been right the majority of the time? Probably not. Has he been right in the big moments a lot? Yeah, United at home, Tottenham at home, Tottenham away, Chelsea at home. Yeah, he's got it right, Liverpool at home. So he got it right in the big moments. Great. It's a, it's a very good place to start from. Um and yeah, look, we do have to acknowledge when he's good as well as when he's bad. We're not, I, I feel like, or I try not to be biased. I, I call, when someone's good, I say they're good. When they're bad, I say they're bad. Um, so I, I do feel like we give credit when it's due, but we do have to distance ourselves from, oh, we won, so everything was right with the world. Or on the other side, we lost, so it's his fault and everything was wrong. Um, there is, sometimes you can be right and lose, and sometimes you can be wrong and, and win. Um, but yeah, yesterday, very good. I had an interesting debate the other day. Um, it was actually before the Manchester United game. Does he make your top ten? Is in the you know as a manager? What in the world? In the world, yeah. Uh, currently now, so forget your forget your currently managing now. So forget your Conte's and your Mourinho's. Uh. Give or take, yeah, probably just about. Just about, yeah. Usually? Yeah, yeah. Especially if you remove the likes of Conte and Mourinho. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you stop Zidane and and people that are out of work in it, then he wouldn't. I mean, for me, I've not got a list in my head, but it'd be near the bottom. It'd be 8, 9 or 10. Um, Yeah, well, I I had a... And I've just dug it up now. So I I threw a list together and I I left Emery out only due because people think I was biased. So I said, look, I I didn't want to be biased, so I left Emery out. But for me, it'd be a 9 and 10. So obviously Pep, Allegri, Ancelotti, Glop, Simone, uh, Nagelman, uh, Valverde. Uh, I don't know why I put in the Valencia manager. I have no idea. Pochettino. I think Pochettino deserves a shout. Well, that well, that was that was interesting for me because I don't, I don't look. He's a good manager, but I think he makes my top twenty, not my top ten. Um, Fabray and and and, and Jardim was the was he wrapped up my ten. So obviously, I mean, I yeah. personally, I'd say Pochettino's top five manager in the world right now. But I mean, it's a, it's a matter of preference. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So for me, the only reason I Poch didn't make mine is obviously Southampton to Tottenham, and he still hasn't won any trophies. So until until he wins something, then I put him there. But he's working with the team he's got, which you know they didn't spend in the transfer window. Isn't a bad team. 
Um, they've gone through a bit of a shambles at the moment, but look, are they are they overachieving by being last eight in the Champions League and currently in third position? Or you know what I mean? So obviously, or is that where they are? I, I, I yeah, I just think it's that's the only reason I left him out. If I think you need to win a few trophies and before beforehand. But, no, that's fair. If you got offered a straight swap now, Pochettino for Emery, would you take it? No. I would. No. I would. Because, once again, he's only working with the team that he's got, so he's going to come to Arsenal. He works with Arsenal. Um, I just haven't seen enough. He hasn't got. Yeah, no, no, but I wonder what... We don't... I don't know what type of players he likes to buy to start with because... I don't know if it's the case of the funds aren't there for him to buy players or it's the case of... I heard an interview the other day that said that he's so picky on the players he chooses that they just can't get the players that he wants to fit his style of football. So hence the reason why they didn't buy anyone last summer. He actually he did have a budget, but he couldn't find anybody that had suited the team. So well, how true that is too, I don't know. But... So I just haven't seen enough of him. See, the, the flip side to something like that. Glop, Glop I've seen enough of. See, Glop. I've seen plenty from Glop where I go, fucking, yep, yeah, I know where he's heading, I know what, what he's doing. I don't know it, Poch. Yeah, go, yeah, I mean, but No, the flip side to that, and it's interesting you brought up Klopp because that's exactly what I was going to do. Klopp was in a similar situation a few years ago when he wasn't afforded the budget, for whatever reason, to buy a central defender. And he went out and compromised and brought in Ragnar Klavan, who ended up being a big flop at Liverpool. Now, I, I throw a question at you. If you're a manager and you want a player X, but you know you can't afford him till next season, let's say, would you compromise and, and go and buy a player Y, who is, let's say, 50-60% of player X? Or would you wait for a season and use those funds judiciously, assuming that you have the support of the board that you will have the position next year. I, I, I admire Pochettino in that sense that if he is that stuck up, then he, he waits for his targets and, and gets who he wants and he doesn't want to compromise because he knows that a player failing is going to basically you know, be held on him. For me, if I've got a team in the Champions League, FA Cup, what's that energy fucking drink cup, and the Premier League, I need a team that's got depth and I think that's what the problem's happening at Tottenham now. They haven't got the depth, so players are getting... You say that, players are getting hang on, Harry hear me King out, hear out. me out, hang on, hear me out. Players are fatigued because you've got to remember that whole Spurs team went to the semis of the World Cup. They were the long... They were pretty much... Most of them were playing through the World Cup. You're looking at players like Ericsson who have played... How long has he been at Spurs for? He's played nearly 450 games. At top no, but it, it hasn't led to a dip it in their hasn't. performance. Sorry? It, it definitely hasn't. Nearly 450, have a look. It's nearly 450 50 games he's played, Ericsson. What, for Tottenham? No, no, just in general. Like, in, in since he's been at Tottenham for, is it three years? Four years? It's impossible. What are you saying he's playing 150 games a season? Mate, that's, oh, I'll have to dig it up. That's, that's in long, total about six, for five, six no years, yeah. It was, it was around about that the other day. I looked it up and I went, holy fuck. 
But and that I just think the players have got fatigue. But I mean, you say that, but that's not what the results show. They are exactly where at this time of the season where they were last year. Sixty-one points, thirty games played, and that's exactly where they were at this point last season. Now, to your point about fatigue, Harry Kane was out for a good amount of time. Tottenham scraped by. They got results every week, week in, week out. They introduced a few youth youth academy products to fill in in certain positions. Son was away for a bit during that time. Deli Ali was injured. I'd say Pochettino has done very, very well, particularly this season. Not to, as you said, you know, go down a bit from last season. To to maintain that level without a single signing is crazy. I mean, from a psychological point of view, you know, the, the squad loses a bit of motivation. The competition remains the same. I think his, his what job he's done coming at Tottenham has been fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, for me, I have, I haven't seen enough yet. I just haven't seen. Might have been Dwyer actually, not Ericsson. Um But I even more wrong. I, I just checked Wikipedia on um, on Ericsson. He's played 195 games for Tottenham, and he's only he's played 85 games for Denmark, but. Three years of that was pre-Tottenham, so even his whole career he's not played 450 games. So I don't know where you was looking or how much you drank. No, it was, it was on. A, it was on a podcast. It was um, the. They were wrong. Yeah, they were definitely wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was actually it was Talk Sport on last night. They were talking oh. about it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, fucking Talk Sport always leaves me up the fucking garden path. The 450, and I looked at it and I went, "Oh shit, okay." But um, anyway. But yeah, no, I just think the players. I just think, yeah, I don't know, maybe for me, I, I, yeah. are you so? Are you, do you think Tottenham's overachieving at the moment, Schwinn? I would say so. I would say so, absolutely. And they're overachieving from because, because of, of Pochettino. Yeah, if, I if think you had to pick, is a big part of that. If you, yeah, absolutely. If you had to pick. A best eleven in the Premier League. How many Spurs players would be in it? Just off the top of your head. Um, on form or at the beginning of the season? If you had to ask me, at the beginning of the season, like if if you had, I suppose Harry, Harry Kane would certainly be in there. Christian Eriksen would be around the team, if not on the bench for sure. Um, I think both Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld have strong cases to make, but out and out, uh, Son. Could not forget Son. I think he's had a stellar season. He'd definitely be in an eleven or on the bench. But I think out and out, Harry Kane would be the only one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we, that's why we're not talking about Spurs too much. Everyone be going, "Fuck me!" I don't want to listen to these cunts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's move on through. Okay. Um, Lacazette uh, I'm just saying what I'm up to Perry Abemi uh, Golden Boot um, and can we challenge for the league next season we're moving in the right direction in many areas the only stumble block is the defence Tony well I mean saying that that's an only stumbling block it's a pretty big one I wouldn't say it's a stumbling block I'd say it's a fucking wall uh, no I don't think I, look, I don't think we're as good in attack as Liverpool and City currently are and for the sake of argument, you've got to assume they'll at least maintain their level. Uh, and we're a million times worse at the back. So I think it'd be very unrealistic to expect us to be in a title challenge next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Schwinn Kerner says, can we assess our performance against the top six this season? Improvement. 
Uh, since uh, Tony is the one who's in charge of memory on this podcast, I'm going to let him tackle this one. Uh, so, look, City at home, we lost. I didn't think we played bad, and it was also Emery's first game, so, so very difficult to judge. If we're going on comparisons with last year, which everyone seems to love, we lost 3-0 to City at home, we lost 2-0 at home this year. So we won goal better, but points-wise, same thing. Um, Liverpool draw, we drew both. We drew one all this year, three all last year. Uh, played well both times. Um, Chelsea, we drew last year, we won this year. Uh, played very well this year, to be fair. Played well last year, actually, but but played very well. And, and it was quite. It was very similar to yesterday, actually. Um, again, Tottenham, we won last year, we won this year. 2-0 last year, 4-2 this year. Uh, again played well both times played very well both times I don't really know if there's more you can add and in United we lost last year 3-1 but shouldn't have really to be honest and we played very well yesterday so I think at home we've picked up more points against them sides um, so look you've got to say an improvement and I think look I think with Emery he's, he's managed the big games well um, it's the, the smaller teams that would be my question in terms of away uh, we got a point at Tottenham, which we didn't last year. Um, played shit last year and played well this year. Chelsea last year, we got a point. We lost this year. We should have won. We missed so many chances. Uh, City away, we lost both 3-1 and pretty much similar games. 2-0 two, two down, got a goal, got back in it. Actually, no, it's won all this year, but similar similar games, both 3-1. Liverpool, we got dicked both times, 4-0, 5-1. Uh, United, we lost last year with a reserve team because we had the Europa League semi-final four days later. Uh, and this season, we got a point against the weak United. I would say we... I think we're more set up to get points away. Um, even though we've only got two away against the big teams, one against Tottenham, one against Chelsea. I think... I mean, not against Chelsea. Uh, oh, we've only, got, we've only got one. Is it only Tottenham? Oh, no, and United, sorry. So we've got two. Uh, one against uh, United, one against Tottenham. But I feel we're better set up to, to get points away, to be honest. Okay. Um, MWA Gunner, what a brilliant performance. Every player to man was amazing. So my question is, how many goals do you think we'll lose by to Rams? Schwinn? <laughs> um, I guess this might be a good time to talk about that game. Um, I don't know. Um, as I said, we can be very, very hot and cold within a span of a few days. Tough to say. I mean, I think we're good enough to get the result. But, you know, one weird incident, one sending off, one injury can sometimes change the game. And let's just hope that that's not what happens this Thursday. So, so a 2-0 win will get us through, won't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's pretty easy, pretty doable, really. Everyone's carrying on like we fucking lost 6-0. Like, I know it was a shit game, but... We shouldn't have lost to them, but uh, hey, that week off obviously helped them, Tony. Um, yeah, yeah, do you want to touch quickly 30 seconds on the game? I mean, look, it was, we should have been 3 0 up. Um, obviously, we go 1 0 up for Iwobi. Torreira misses a sit. Oh, no one's really mentioned it because of what happened after, but he has to score when Nacho pulls it back to him and he, he fires it straight at the keeper. And then Abamyang is well on side when Ozil flicks him through, and I think. You'd put your money on him to score in that situation. He had, he could have gone over the keeper, he could have gone around the keeper, he could have slotted it in, um, and the, the tie should have been dead after 20 minutes. Obviously, things didn't go that way for me. I've seen a lot of arguments. For me, he definitely should have been sent off, Socrates. Um, I think he had a, t- a tackle that should have been a booking before he got booked. Then he got booked, which was also a book of offence. 
And, and the third one, I keep people saying, oh, but Saar linked arms with him. But that's what attackers do. Our players do it all the time. It, it's clever attacking play. Um, so I don't think there's much Socrates could have done about it because Saar linked arms and then ran across him and you have no option but to run into him. But that's what attackers do. So I have no argument with the sending off. And then from then, I thought we managed the game woefully. Um, look, you can't do anything about their first goal. Then... The second goal, we just all, I mean, we switch off for the second goal. We're all over the place. The subs were wrong. The formation was wrong. There, there's such, like, look at Atletico at the Emirates last year. I know they're a great defensive team, but they go down to 10 men and you barely notice. They all knew what, how to play, what system to play in. We didn't have a clue. We had 10 people on the pitch. Well, nine, because Czech was very good. With nine people on the pitch, we didn't have a clue what they were doing. The subs are wrong. He narrowed it up. He, he, like, they were out running us and he waited till really late to bring Ramsey on. If you're if you're down to ten men and you need energy on the pitch, you bring on your most energetic player. He brought Guendouzi on before him, which made absolutely no sense. And then even two one down, eighty seventh minute, we have a throw in in their corner, and you commit six bodies forward. Like I, I think I saw people tweet at one one, and I I'd done it at two one down. Just bring a two one loss back to the Emirates. It's fine, but no, not us. Game management is horrible as always. They score on the break and now we've got a very difficult tie for ourselves because look, a 2-0 win isn't uh, an impossible result. It's something we're well capable of. But they're going to go nine men behind the ball, including the keeper. They'll play Ben Arthur as a sort of 10 and leave Saar on our last defender. And we'll have to push up high because we're trying to score. And Saar is very quick. So they're, they're probably not a great team to have to go and push the game against because of the, their type of players. So just for our own stupidity... We've we've left ourselves with a massive mountain to climb. Mm. It's not too bad a mountain. Two nil at home should be should be okay. But as I said, I think they're not a good team to they're not a good team just because of the way they play to to be need to chase the game against. One is different because they wouldn't if, if we was two one down they wouldn't be able to come and park the bus because we score one and once you've started parking the bus it's very difficult to come out. So we score one and we'd be through at that point and then they'd have to come out and there'd be space all over the place. With two, you've got that bit of security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, did I get everybody there? Yep. Sure. There's so many fucking questions. I was not sure I got them all. MWA Gunner, uh, what a brilliant performance. Every player to me. I've already read that, can't You read that? Hack on Larson, uh, I really wish that Emery could choose a tactic like this more often. Again, the lesser teams. I think he's too conservative and too worried, maybe about the opponent, and can blow so many teams away by just playing tense attacking football. Anyone want to comment on that? Schwinn? Not really. I mean, look, it's, it's again, it's opinion. Um, for me... I, I always said when Arsene left that I need some, I, I need a manager who is a bit more flexible. And I know we've questioned whether Emery is uh, flexible or whether he's tinkering. I think it's it's good to have a, a manager who has a few cards up his sleeve. And and the assumption from Hakon is that we will play equally good football every day of the week for a whole season. And that's just not how football works. Um, you know, you might have an off day. You might not be feeling well. Might be too cold. You might not. And there's so many reasons why a footballer just doesn't turn up and that throws the whole equilibrium off the balance. And that's when you need a manager to recognize that prefact 
and make adaptions to to try and account for that. Uh, after a good performance, we can we can say that Emery is getting some of the stuff right. But I don't think that this is the way to carry forward just because it worked this past weekend. But that's just me. Okay, Madwise says, uh, you guys are not... Hang on, I'll rephrase that. Tony, you are not the biggest Lacazette fan, but do you now understand the presence he has for our team? When we don't have have him, we don't have our spirit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, he's more of a Burkamp than a pure striker in my opinion. Has he changed your opinion or have have you has he changed your opinion yet? Look, there's so many different things to answer in one question. I've always said we're a better team with him in it. Well not so much last year, because last year we was trying to play him as an out and out nine. And as Madwire said, he plays more pulled off, more like a Burkamp. Burkamp would never have worked as a nine if you don't have the runners off him, and we didn't last year. So my annoyance was that the way Lacazette was trying to play, it was never with his ability. It was the way he was trying to play did not suit our team. And you see what he done at Leon scoring so many goals. So you knew he was able to play a different way and just wasn't doing it. And that was my issue with him. Um, we're definitely a better team with him in it. I mean, the spirit thing, just, the spirit, it's, it's like passion and it's just a word that doesn't really mean anything. That's what I'm I know, I know exactly at. what he means. Yeah, I, I do know exactly what he means because Lacazette does show a bit of fire and it is needed at times, but I wouldn't say the spirit of the team falls when he's not there. For example, I think we were better against Tottenham last week after Lacazette went off, to be honest. Even though Aubameyang was shit, he ran the channels and he stretched them. Um but both of them, Aubameyang and Lacazette, need someone else. The Aubameyang needs someone to pull off and do the stuff Lacazette does, and Lacazette needs someone to play the role of a nine. So it's not that I don't rate Lacazette. I just get very frustrated when he plays on his own that he does like on his own as a nine that he does drop deep and try and do the stuff of a of a ten when there's no one left to do the job of his, of a nine. And when he's there as a nine, he has to do that job. He has to forget coming short and touching the ball in the halfway line. I mean, I said a million times last season, he wants to fill the ball too much. And in all honesty, this season, he's been a lot better for it. I don't know if Mad, I know Madwire listens, but I don't know if he's been in and out or he listens consistently. But if you listen back to after Southampton or whoever we played before that, I said that Lacazette has now, when he is on his own, he's taken up that role as someone that, that touches the ball a lot less, but is in the right positions. I even said when he missed practically an open goal against Southampton, I was happy because he was in the right position. And his goal, which was inside the six-yard box against Southampton, he was in the right position. So my annoyance was with his brain not doing the right things, never with his ability. And I think I, I can understand how he's taken this. I don't like him, but that's not true. I just he annoys the hell out of me at times. Mm, okay. Um, hack on Larson that a Bamiyang penalty worked out well this time. Exactly the same spot as against Spurs. He needed that goal. We need to play the rest of the season with him confident. Um, he's uh, Bamiyang's vital. Uh, Schwen, you pointed out a video though that, and it was, and I read a few of the comments. I, I, I look, I, I have no idea how true this is, Schwen. But obviously, the video you showed me was he didn't look at the ball when he took the penalty. Um, I had a read through the comments on that tweet that you shared the video on and somebody mentioned that he quoted that last week when he took the penalty that he looked too much at the ball and then he, he didn't concentrate on where the keeper was. So, like I said, I don't know how true that is, though. But, yeah. Sounds yeah, good. I mean, look, yeah, if someone um, has pointed that out, 
And if it's true, then um, that's very uncharacteristic because you learn to take a penalty a certain way. And that's how you pretty much take it your whole life. So to, for him to, to look at the ball against Tottenham and be a bit phased, I think it, it says a lot about the pressure. But, I mean, look, this, we, me and Tony spoke about this yesterday after the game. This was a worse penalty in terms of the strike um, than, than what he did against Tottenham. But he's a genius because the goalkeeper went the other way. So, you know, we, we of course, had a lengthy discussion about this on, on last week's podcast, you know, which is your prescribed way of taking penalties. And, I, you know, I, I continue to, to believe in what I said at that point, that it's the way you're taught. And just because it doesn't work one week doesn't mean you change it. So I'm happy with it. I'm happy that he scored and he looked comfortable, uh, to be honest. He didn't really look phased out yesterday. Uh, hack on goes on and says, Tez, you may now have, and I won't repeat because there's probably ladies who listen and they do not want to picture me doing this to about granite. And it's just it's just filthy hacking. I how, what makes you think that I do things like that, mate? Seriously. But fuck, he was good that granite, wasn't he? Boys, I'm just going to take ten minutes break and I'll be back. Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seconds. <laughs> Come on, mate. Fresh I'm a, in the memory. I'm a stayer, boys. I'm a stayer. <laughs> um, yeah, nah. Very good. Very good. Yes. We'll have to post the video of that granite goal up with a bit of uh, Celine Dion music. Just. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, just to, to go on the, the penalty. Yeah. I remember after the Cardiff game, Aubameyang done the same thing. And I, me and you, I, I think Schwinn was wandering somewhere and wasn't on a podcast, which is not that uncommon. Uh, but me and you were talking about it. And I said, that's always the way I was taught to, to take penalties because it's very hard for the keeper to move. And I think it was probably just the pressure of Tottenham being the last minute. Um, I think I'm assuming he's played against Lloris before when they're both in France. And it's made him nervous and it's made him alter things. And as we've said, you should never change. Mm. But yeah, I don't think probably. it's an uncommon way to take a penalty. There's a lot of players that do it. No, probably just a bit of bloody. Um, look, we all had the shits with the Bemiang last week over that, but it could have happened any game, any time, and just one of them things, isn't it, I suppose? But look, if he did that, I can only put it down to, as Schwinn said, the pressure of the North London derby. He looked at that ball and went, fuck, I need to get this. And. We know what the result turned out to be, so it's the only thing I can put it down to. Bit of pressure. Um, MWA Gunner, what makes Monreal such a good defender? Putting the Europa League game aside, he always has a solid game and does nothing wrong. Tony, and just before you answer that question, obviously his contract's up. I was reading reports Barcelona are looking at him. Yeah, there's been a load of reports that Barcelona want him as a backup uh, left back. Um, and obviously he can factor at centre back and at Barcelona he could probably play centre back in a two as well which we've never never really seen the best of him doing that for us in the Premier League um, I think the thing is with Nacho he's just well rounded he's quite good at everything he's surprisingly good in the air considering he's not quick he reads the game quite well but not expertly he's decently quick he's not the strongest but he's physical enough and puts his bodies in the body in the right place and I see him, he's a bit taller, but I see him very similar to Aspilicueta, uh, that, that when you're very well-rounded and sort of seven or eight out of ten at, at everything, 
you're generally going to get a seven or eight or ten out of performance. You're not going to get the tens too often because you're not an expert, but you're you're solid at everything. So you're going to have a solid performance. And I see Monreal and Aspilicueta are in very similar in that sense. And and Aspilicueta gets a load of plaudits, rightfully so. But maybe that's just because he wins things and Nacho hasn't really. But I, I don't think there's too much between them, to be honest. Um, Ireland boy, the boy Guna, he says for Tez. Yeah, good question for me. Good on you, old mate. Um, with the VAR, oh, fuck, do I have to talk about that cunt of a thing? Uh, would you rather have it like VAR in the league, only because sometimes the fans could influence the ref's decision when he is standing in front of the screen? Uh, look, I I don't want VAR VAR at all, mate. Like I. I've said it time and time again. Everywhere I watch VAR, it's it's down to a couple of people. Still, it's human error. You're always going to get the human error. So I don't think the the fans are. I, I would imagine, I don't. I wouldn't think the fans would influence his decision because. Um, but he goes on to add on. If I'm correct, the ref in the PSG game had to tell the United staff to back off. Having staff. In fans on your back would cause a ref to make an incorrect decision. I, Tony, I'll have to throw to you because I was watching the Roma game at the time, so I never seen that incident. Uh, I mean, no, it was a mess. The, 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 to be honest, I don't know if technology allows the screen should be the other side of the pitch. I, I get where it's coming from that having it between two dugouts, you're always going to have people shouting things and trying to influence you. For me, though, the moment the ref goes over to the screen, the decision is going to be changed. I, I there, there probably has been some, but I really struggle to think of many where the ref's gone over to the screen and not changed his decision. I'm thinking World Cup final, the handball. Um, the ref went over, he'd given a corner, he went over, he gave a penalty. Uh, Neymar diving in the World Cup, he'd given a penalty, went over to the screen, changed it. Obviously, the, the United won uh, the other day, the, the same thing. He'd given a corner, he goes over, he changes it. So, I, I, although I do think the screen should be the other side of the pitch, I, I don't think it probably ha- it has much influence. I mean, it does it does bring a bigger picture, especially the United game. And me and Schwinn were talking about this yesterday, where different countries seem to play with different rules. Like, I mean, I don't watch so much anymore, but I used to watch loads of Spanish football. And they, their rule is pretty much, if it hits your hand, it's handball. They don't give a fuck about the circumstances, whether your hand was in a natural position, whether someone, whether it's ball to hand, they pretty much don't care. If the ball hits your hand, it's handball. And with us, obviously, that's not the case in England. So when you're in Europe, if you have a Spanish VAR, they're going to give a handball for something like that. Whereas if it's an English VAR, they're not. And I think the rules need to be tightened across the countries. Like even in the, the for the Man United game, so the pundits in England who were all Man United based, it was Rio Ferdinando and Hargreaves and someone else, said definitely not a penalty. It should never have been a penalty. And they're obviously clearly biased. And they still said it shouldn't be. Whereas in Spain and Germany, the broadcast, I think it was on BN Sports in Germany or whoever, whatever it was, said definitely a penalty. The ball hit his hand. So even with VAR, the rules are going to be altered depending on who it is that's doing the VAR. So I think they need a tighter guidelines, whether that is if the ball hits your hand, it's handball, we don't give a fuck, or whether it is it's only handball in certain uh, circumstances. But the rules need to be tightened, especially in Europe. We're just going back to um, what he was talking about. And one thing I did notice, like he's talking about the fans, you know, maybe having influencing the ref a bit. One thing I did notice when I was watching the the Roma game, fucking fucking yeah. But um, what pisses me off with this system in the VAR, 
So the VAR goes up, up that goes upstairs. They look at it, and and they're not looking for a decision at that point. They are looking to tell the ref if he should have a look at it. So what that what for me that's doing is if they the blokes up in the video room are saying, I think you need to have a look at this, mate. You could be offside or it could be a handball. That already puts that that thought into the ref's mind that oh, they've said I better have a look at it so now I've got to go over and have a look at the screen so he goes over and he has a look at the screen and he's looking away and he goes oh yeah okay and that's why I think Tony had always it's not overturned it's they've always they're, they're saying to him mate I think you have to have a look at it he's he's at the final decision I think if it's going to be at a VAR what it probably should be is we we have it the two one or two blokes upstairs, whoever it is, is their set of fresh eyes looking at the incident to go, okay, we're going upstairs, the ref didn't see it, he he never saw it, so he's looking for a second opinion and they make the decision. Because by the way of, the way it's working is it's already putting that thought into the referee, you better go and have a look at that, that, that screen, mate, because we're not able to make the decision. The decision has to be yours. So it's already putting that into him, and I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They are they're putting huge... That's why I said that they pretty much always get turned over because, as you said, they're basically saying... Go and, they're not, they don't say it in so many words, but they're basically saying, go and look at that, mate. You, you, you've probably got it wrong, essentially. Mm, mm, and, yeah. and that is an issue because it's already in their mind that, obviously, they, they, they're wrong. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I understand the reason they do it is to promote consistency. So the ref gets that decision as if he'd seen it. But just just by making him go over it, it obviously, it, as I said, I, I can't remember anyone that's ever been maintained after seeing it. There, there will have been some, mm. but I, I can't remember any. Nah, and, and just for the sake, like, and and so when he goes over to look at that video, he's probably already looking at that that TV, and he's going, oh, the upstairs guy said I should be looking at a handball here, you know. And then if I, I'd imagine if he got the call wrong, he'd get the shit. But I just think it should go straight. If you're going to do it, go straight upstairs. They make the decision there and then, and if they fuck it up like they do ninety percent of the time anyway, um, then we have a debate. And I can tell you. Boys, we're going to be talking about VAR constantly next fucking season in the Premier League and on this podcast. We actually might have to fucking do a chart up, Schwinn, on how many they get right and fucking wrong for the season. Well, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a fucking... I'm telling you, mate. It'll, it'll be... Every week we'll be discussing, discussing about a fucking VAR incident. Oh, fuck, yeah, they get that wrong. And, and it'll, overtake, yeah, think, it'll overtake the game. It'll overtake the actual, the, the, the great player of Granite Jacker's goal and that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it will. It'll, it'll come to a point where, oh, you know, that'll be the, the, the topic. It won't. And, and that's what happens now. It's shit. Yeah, I hate to think that um, because everything we have seen so far, particularly with the point Tony made, how it's different across different leagues and you know obviously this these leagues come together when we're playing in european competitions and players are creatures of habit you know they'll they'll be taught certain things which suddenly on a given weekday don't apply anymore so i think it's going to be a challenge i think it's going to there's going to be an adapting time from the player's perspective and from the official's perspective but the problem remains that 
the officials are already a talking point. And with VAR and no accountability, I don't really see a, a positive on this horizon just yet. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be dreadful in a lot of ways. Uh, but I'm hoping that they're able to resolve some of the kinks over the summer and, and clear up the rules so that VAR can be applied in a, in a bit more black and white sense, as tough as that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll keep going because we'll be talking about that kind of a thing later, fucking next season for sure. Um, Vish says, what is going on with Mafropanis? Uh, I suppose I'll throw it to Tony. Um, I he'd be injured, or does Emery not fancy him? Any rumours that he wants to move in the summer? Oh, um, there is rumours. Are they true as well? Okay, sorry. I've not seen any rumours, but then I don't really look for them. Uh, look, I would imagine he'll be very pissed off at not being in the Europa League squad. Um, the only way he's going to get, and I mean, hopefully it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. The only way he's going to get gained is if we're definitely not going to make top four and we're saving priorities for Europa League, which looks bleak on two fronts at the moment. So I, I don't know if you can say Emery doesn't fancy him. He's only played about 15 minutes under Emery uh, in a competitive game. I know he was injured for a long time. So it, it's hard to tell. It looks from the outside like Emery doesn't fancy him, but it's difficult because he was injured while we played most of the minor games where like the Blackpools, the Brentfords, the Europa League group stage where you'd assume he would play. He was injured for most of them. And, and then since he's got back, he came on against City for, what, 10, 15 minutes away. And I think that might even be the only time he's even been on the bench. Um, well, I mean, it's not like he can be on the, the bench on on Thursday. You would have said he was guaranteed to be with, with Socrates out, but obviously he's ineligible, so he can't. So it's difficult to see from the outside, to be honest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just come across this cunt. <laughs> the official Tez Burner account at Zeropa Bob. <laughs> Cheeky Tez, cunt. that's not how you run a burner account. <laughs> Cheeky cunt. <laughs> um, uh, what's he saying? If it's a shit question, we're not ever going to answer it. <laughs> um, I noticed Arsenal defenders being very patient all game when United runners were coming at them, dribbling and trying to take them one on one. We looked to just hold our position and make accurate challenges. Seem more obvious today than in other matches. Very effective. Do you agree, Schwinn? I do. I think um, we were very non-committal in defence in that regard, in, in, in duels. And I think some of that stemmed perhaps out of um, knowing that cover was available in a back five. Usually in a back four, we'll bomb on and, and might leave some open spaces for people to deal with. But I think some of that uh, got rescinded, if you will, because there, there was available cover. We, we gave up a bit more space in midfield, as Tony spoke about, with their extra man. And, and we chased runners a bit more in that sense. So I do agree. Just, just quickly, Tez, before you go, go on to the next question, uh, Arsenal have just announced that Gideon Zellalem has joined MLS side Sporting Kansas City on a free transfer. So some, some breaking news, if you will, during this podcast. Okay. Who? <laughs> Gideon, Gideon Zellalem. I mean, exactly. He's been with the Arsenal for a good six, seven years, I would imagine. Okay. But, yeah. It was supposed to be a, a, a future, one for the future type of signing. Obviously, it didn't work out as we wanted it to. Yeah. 
Um, uh, the official Tez Burner account still goes on. <laughs> wow, that was... Let's change change that kind of a thing to the fucking official fence fucking sitter, eh? Fucking official Tez Burner account. Don't, you know don't give out ideas. Don't give out ideas, please. I, I want MAA Gunner to just come up next week with his Twitter account. The fence sitter. <laughs> <laughs> Deflection tactics, boys. <laughs> it works well. Okay, well, that's an, that was so amazing. Um, so good, guys. It needs a full podcast. The swerve, the bend, the celebration. Man, oh, man, Arsenal's talisman has arrived, and you know all, all know his name. Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Granite Shaka. Where are you, yeah, I mean, cunts? You Where, are you, cunts? <laughs> Where are you, cunts? Where are you, fuckers? You've completely misunderstood how burner accounts work. <laughs> how rare and vital was that goal that secured top four? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it didn't yeah. secure top four. Yeah. Excuse me? It didn't secure top four. Oh, come on, mate. Really? Is top four secure? It's there. Is and it secure? At the end of the season, okay. No, no, no. Is it secure as of now? No, it's not. <laughs> if, if at the end of the season we get top four, you know it'll be because of Granite Shaka. So if we don't, is it because of him? No, because of Ozil. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking useless cunt. Uh... <laughs> I'm just taking a piss there. Sorry, Shwin. Don't hate me, mate. Sandu, great win. We needed this. Predictions for next match. I think we may win 2-0 and qualify it on away games. Okay. Uh, Schwinn, what's your prediction for the game, that Europa League game, mate? Whew. Um, I think we'll win it. I think we'll win 3-0. 3-0. Uh, Tony? Mm-hmm. I think we'll go out. I think we'll go, yeah. I'm going to say wow. two, I'm gonna say 2-0 as well. You think we'll lose at the Emirates? No, I said I think we'll go out. Hmm. Oh. Could be a 1-0 win and still go out. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. No, I think we'll get the job done 2-0. Would you boys be happy if you went out and still made top four now? Yeah. Yeah, so would yep. I. Yeah. Would you be... Champions League, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be happy with that. So I wonder whether... Emery's got a... Th- I'm just thinking out loud. Emery's got a couple of... You know, he's got a bit of a problem. Does he stack this team up next week? Well, well, he does because we've not got a game for three weeks. Ah, of course, yeah. Of course. There you go. List your predictions for the top six positions with eight games to go. Has this changed from what you have all predicted at the start of the season? Um, this is Sandeep. Uh, could Spurs end up sixth? Arsenal games, Newcastle, Everton, Watford, Crystal Palace, Leicester, Brighton. Oh, Lord, I don't even have to go through all this. Spurs play Liverpool, Man City. Uh, their toughest games are probably them too. He hasn't got Arsenal or Man U there, so. Um, 
we did that thing, Tony. As you, I, don't, I don't know if you remember that that bloody. You made us all jump on a website, and we did where we're all going to finish and whatnot. Uh, do you remember what you picked and the things type of coming? Well, yeah, but I mean, I passed to lose every week, so I had a six. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. So you're already up. Uh, Schwinn? Yeah, I had us finishing fifth with United in fourth and Tottenham in third. Mm, I had us in uh, Just to, I bet, obviously, and I'm sure you won't remember, but I bet you would have had at this stage Tottenham with at least six more points than they currently have. I don't know. I'd have to have a look. You would have put Southampton win and Burnley win. I'd imagine. I think I put. I think no, I put, I'd, Burnley, I'd put lost Burnley loss. Southampton win. Yeah, I put a Burnley loss. I think I put a Southampton win though for sure. I wouldn't have picked Southampton. But I yeah, did, me too. I did put Southampton loss. Uh, the big thing of the season, though, I had uh, Tottenham finishing sixth. So. Coming back to Sandeep's question, which I think asks at the top of the season, I still had his fifth, but I had Tottenham sixth. I thought the North London teams would miss out on Champions League. I can't remember what I had. Wouldn't have a clue. Would have been I City, City Liverpool. somewhere. Would have been City Liverpool. I think I think I had us in fourth. I probably had Chelsea in third, to be honest. I had City, United, Liverpool, and then Chelsea. What do you have, Tony? Remember? No. Nope. <laughs> I thought you were the one I with a good memory. Down, so when I'm back in South Africa and when we do a a, a season wrap up pod, yeah. I'm sure I'll have all that the, the the flop signing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We know who your golden boot is. <laughs> that was last season. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, cool. That's one. gonna bite me for the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> M Gunner, who do you hate more? Uh United or Spurs? Growing up I hate United, but recently Spurs have pissed me off more. Tony? Yeah, look, it's a sign of rivalry. I think I don't know how old M Gunner is, but when I was sort of younger, from between unknown. 8 to 18 Tottenham weren't our rivals they would they, they would live close to us they're a local team but we weren't battling for them with anything it was United we were in title races cup finals cup semi-finals so Tottenham were just a, a fly that was annoying just hanging around and making noise but you didn't you're not really bothered by it you just sway it away whereas United were, were the rivals the guy you was fighting uh, in recent times for different reasons Sometimes United have been the irre- irrelevant fly because they've been shit at close Fergie, pretty much. Uh, and other times they've been way ahead of us. So you just you, you, you don't try and fight a bear. Well, Tez probably would. but um, and, and Tottenham have been genuine rivals. I'd say at the moment Tottenham are more genuine rivals than, than United were. But I think that's just a sign of league position and, and, and change in times. Mm. Um, would you throw Chelsea into that mix as well? Uh, again, I feel like Chelsea we've never really been in competition with apart from for a couple of years because I feel like they're getting good coincided with us getting shit. Mm. Oh, shit up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I was just thinking, you know, Jose's days when he was at Chelsea, it just seemed to be a bit of a rivalry between him and Wenger. Yeah, and, him and Wenger. But, I mean, yeah. if you look in terms of the teams, I think pretty much they finished above us or they had the standard Mourinho season where they finished like 12. Mm-hmm. So it was like again they're either they're either irrelevant 
or you're just so far ahead you don't look at them. It's like no, none of us consider City rivals because they're in a different league to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you guys are at the stadium at the Emirates and the Spurs fans come, Chelsea fans come and the Man United fans come, who do you tend to give it to the most? Tottenham now. But I didn't go to games, or like I mean, I can I only went to a few games a season when United were our rivals, okay. and obviously being United being the biggest game, I couldn't get tickets for them kind of games. Obviously, I was young as well, mm. so I don't know in them times what it was like. I can say now it's definitely Tottenham. Yeah. Okay. Um, who do you hate most, Swin? Man, you or Spurs? Tough to say. I mean, I hate them both. Um, but yeah, I think with the advent of Tottenham and their rise, it's it's a bit. I mean, I'm a bit fearful of where that club is going, in that in that sense. I mean, look, they have obviously a lot of issues that they will have to soon come to terms with, and that will deplete them. But you know, it's 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 not ideal, is it? I mean, I didn't see it coming 10, 15 years ago. I never thought they would be in the same pond as us, uh, punching above, you know, punching our weight, so to speak. So it's I, I, I still hate United more, but I'm fearful of what Tottenham are doing and where they're going. I think they'll come crashing down very soon. I think more power to that. Yeah, I think two years they've they've been good for two years. That's it, two years. Oh, uh, could you say three? What did they come third? What did they come three years ago? Sixth, something like that. Last year they come. Remember. Tottenham. Last year they come. Four. No, they had two titles. I mean, they were last year. They were in the top four. Top four. The year before that, they came second to Chelsea. The year before that, they came third in the two horse horse race. So it's been th- three or four years. They've been all right, have they? Yeah. Mm, um Scotty says, uh, "Why can't we show this intensity, commitment versus teams like West Ham? One uh, nil loss." It seems we're up for the big games, pool included. Um, you you touched on this earlier. Emery seems to get us up, Tony, for the big games, but not these 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 West Ham games. And I'm trying to guess, we got beat by Wolves. Well, but Wolves fucking doing that to everyone at the moment. Um, I mean, to be fair, the West Ham game was just an example. I don't. I mean, you can say the players weren't up for it because we were shit, but the system was completely wrong as well. Everything was wrong that day. It was just one of them horrible days. Um, mm. I, look, he seems to get it right against the big teams. I think a better question is not why aren't we up for it against them? Is why are we getting it wrong against the the so-called smaller sides? What was the game where he was a Bournemouth or something? Which, uh, fucking my memory's hopeless. And, and we well, we played defensive exactly. football, and I was like, what the fuck's he doing? Huddersfield. Huddersfield. One yeah. two one. Yeah. Like, what the fuck's he doing? Where the, where, where yeah. the Arsenal? We we are playing like. Fucking Brighton. Um, do you feel? Do you feel like me far happier with no Mustafi? Schwinn. I mean, I'll be honest. I was relieved not to see him in the lineup yesterday, and this isn't because someone else got to play over him. It was just purely the absence of Mustafi. You know, he's just not that player that gives you a lot of comfort. You know, whether it's on paper or when you see him playing. And, you know, we've spoken about it enough times. It's, you know, we're sounding like a broken record at this point. He just needs to leave. And in all probability, by all accounts, he will be gone. So hopefully soon he's not even a talking point. 
Um, did I mention? Yeah, I did. I'm just looking. There was a couple of late questions come in. Peter, who do you we actually replace Ramsey with in the summer? Uh, I did no. read that. Did I? Yeah. Yep. Um, Clay says possibly the best account name change. <laughs> He's talking about my fucking <laughs> Zoro Bob with his fucking Zoropa Bob, whatever that cunt's name is, with my fucking official thing. Uh, okay, that's it. Um, also, I, I thank you, everybody, as well, because um, the nom- there is one more question, Tez. I think you oh. missed out on it. Yeah, go, mate. Um, I'll throw this one to you as anyway. Um, a little change of pace question. This is from Clayco Conservative. Would you take Ayose Perez to play wide at the Emirates if the price was right? Had a couple of goals this past weekend, and he seems to always cause problems for us when we play them. Uh, for me, no, because the reason I, th- I look, and I, I, I'm happily to be corrected here, but I think the reason you find that he's starting to play well now is that young bloke who come from America. What's the young bloke's name, Tony? Almiron. Yeah, Almiron. So I think he's, Perez is coming a little bit of his own because of him. I watched him the other day and I thought, oh, been this weekend actually I watched him and I thought, well, okay. Um, so for me, no. Uh, Almiron is literally just Santiago Nunez from the goal film. <laughs> the whole story is the same. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Um, isn't it? <laughs> but no, I, I wouldn't take Ayosi Perez. I mean, for a start, I don't really know where he plays. Um, if you go second striker, is he going to be ahead, like, more so more of a 10? Or, like, I mean, if we play two up front, he doesn't get in. If we play a 10, he's behind, probably, definitely behind Ozil, probably behind Mickey, probably behind a Wobi. He's one of them players I kind of quite like, but I don't really know where he plays and I don't see what he would add to us. Mm-hmm. He got a couple. Yeah, he got a couple of goals. That was against. It was, yeah, it was against Everton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he got two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah that that fucking young bloke. Yeah, <laughs> the goal. <laughs> have you yeah. seen the film? Yeah, I have. Goal one, two. I think he's the couple. same guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was talking about Newcastle days. Fuck knows what happened when he went like goal two and goal three or whatever they're on now. But yeah. goal one is literally Miron. <laughs> You're right. Goal two was Real Madrid. So <laughs> if that is true, yeah. I bet he's got a little Scottish <laughs> he, He's actually um, he's a good good player. That young kid. He, he'd be. He's one definitely will be out Santiago Nunez or Almiron? <laughs> Almiron. <laughs> <laughs> we remember Schwinn was banging on about him when he went to, um, was it LA? Where was he? No, Schwinn, Schwinn was going on about Barco, but they went to the same team. Uh, ah, okay. Atlanta. Atlanta. But, uh, um, oh, I thought Schwinn yeah. was going on about him. Okay. Um, just quickly before we wrap up, because we will head off shortly, um, thoughts, quick thoughts on... Monchi getting sacked by Roma oh not sacked leaving Roma and um, which I think he got sacked but anyway uh, left Roma and obviously rumours that he is heading to Arsenal next summer he definitely didn't get sacked um, because Uh, they know he wanted out in the summer and they would have got a fee for him so he would have negotiated his way out of his contract and paid a fee which will be paid by his next club which assumes he already knows who his next club is which pretty much leads to it being us I would imagine Mm. Uh, look time will tell I I know you're worried that he'll sell first 
I'm not so sure he will, especially if we've got Champions League, because we'll have a much bigger budget. Um, I think Roma, he had to sell first to, to generate some money to spend. Yeah. I, I don't think that will be the case here. I'm not saying that means he's going to be a guaranteed success, because I have no fucking idea. I don't have a crystal ball. Mm. But I don't share the concern that you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, happy with the be happy with the appointment though. Yeah, we need someone to do it, and and he's got a good track record. So yep, yep. I have no complaints. I'm not sitting here saying it's going to be a guaranteed success. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think you one of the best men for the job. Yeah. Um, Schwinn. Yeah, hundred percent. I think when Sven left and we were all in a bit of a rut, I remember saying that the only way this situation can be improved upon is by by Monchi. I, I didn't think of anyone else who would be the, the answer to um, to elevate us. And it seems like we will get this over the line. So I'm, I'm very happy. I wonder if uh, he had to quit uh, during the season because he had to serve a notice period when he's not working for a rival club or for a European club or something like that. I don't know how uh, common those sorts of clauses are in the world of football. It will just um, be, that, sorry, just to, just to step in. The reason it will be is because they'll start identifying summer targets now, if not a month ago. And if he's there identifying their summer targets, he's going to potentially be going head-to-head with them in, in a couple of months. So if he mm. quits now, there's no list. He doesn't provide them with a list of targets. Um, right, right. And as if he stays, if he holds back them targets, he's not doing his job. So he correct, can't sit correct. there and not suggest any players. So that'll be. Um, also, the other thing, I think the alternative, if it isn't to be him, will be Mark Overmars, who I'd also be happy with. Hmm. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, what what Ajax have done, and especially in the last couple of weeks, um, is is a testament again to Overmars and, of course, the the coaching staff and whatnot. So, I think Monchi in particular is. I, I've never been someone who's scared of change in that sense. Kroenke bought you know the club over. I was open minded, and and similarly in this situation. I think uh, I, I sort of agree with Tony's point. I didn't think of it that way because Tez has been, you know, driving this opinion that uh, he's going to come selling, and I sort of came to terms with that. That that's okay if that's what is required. That's okay, but I see merit in, te- in Tony's argument as well that maybe we won't need to disperse with some of our big names, and if that ends up being the case because of Champions League football, then I think there, that this team has a lot of cogs that, if placed in the right situation with a couple of additions. It can go a long way, so I'm rubbing my hands as we speak. My only, um, yeah, look, who knows what's going to happen, and if we're in Champions League football, Tony, and well, both of you lads, that uh, obviously we're going to have a budget there, but we talk about this self-sustained Arsenal, Tony, and being a self-sustained Arsenal, I wonder what's in the bank for the transfer window. Well, I mean, look, no one knows, but then we've also got more money from the Emirates coming in. We've got Adidas money coming in. If we do have Champions League, I, look, I don't, I'm not saying he's not going to come in and sell big names. I don't feel it would be essential. Mm-hmm. If he does it, it's because he wants to, not because, whereas Roma, like he didn't want to sell Mo Salah, but they, they had to. Oh, had we had to. Might we had to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. didn't so, have a choice. Whereas I think at Arsenal, if he, if he does it, it will be, if he does come in, of course, it will be the choice, not the not forced. Mm-hmm. Plus, there was what's that fucking thing that Roma were in the shit for it as well. I was uh, transfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was some fucking thing. It was just a joke. But anyway, so look, he come in, he fixed it all up and sorted it all out, and 
Roma's not doing well now. We've sacked the coach. We're out of Champions League, and we're going absolute fucking shit. And um, that's all I'll talk about Roma at the moment. And we'll just see. Now we've got that fucking other clown there, so we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> fuck, it's been a kind of a week for football for me. The Manchester United game was very good. Though. I was very happy with that. Okay, boys. Um, when do you want to come back? Uh, we might as well do one after Ren because then we're off for like two weeks. So. Yeah. Okay. We might. Um, yeah, we'll do something. I was meant to have a guest on to talk about Monchi. He was breaking the story on Monchi that that it was all going to happen. So I was a bit pissed. I was a bit pissed off at myself that I didn't follow it up to get old mate on because it would have been exclusive for us. But anyway. These things happen. Um, thank you, boys. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'll just quickly, before I go, that was what I was going to say. Hey? FBAs? Yes, yes, yeah. The um, Thank you, everybody, for voting for us on the them FBA Awards, uh, Football Blogger Awards. Um, you can see the links coming out. I haven't got the details of what I've actually got to tweet out, but you can vote. It is also on our website. Um, so, yeah, look, guys, it's, <laughs> I'm blown away by the amount of tweets I've seen coming through, Schwinn, that people are actually voting for us, mate. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was considering whether I want to vote for us, but then I see this um, you know, barrage of tweets as soon as I open Twitter after a few hours, and you know, it shows you what you missed out on. And it seemed like everyone was like everyone that at least follows us uh, has been voting for us. So, um, look, we're not in it to win it, but it shows that people care and uh, they're taking time out of their busy schedules to, to you know, give us a shout out. And that's enough for us, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You're a bit shocked too, Tony, when you're saying it all. Yeah, but I disagree with Schwinn. Though if people are bothering taking their time for voting for us, and and we are in it, then we might as well win it. So carry on voting. Um, I agree we've never done this to get awards or get money or whatever which we don't Uh, if you want to send me money feel free but um, yeah but thanks yeah thanks for it all and accolades are always nice right no awesome Uh, it's great it was good night on the Twitter and so that so now thank you everybody for voting and um, we'll see what happens if we get there we get there and it'll be all thank you to you brilliant listeners um okay boys that's enough for me and we will catch you after our next europa league game thank you see ya cheers